You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd. Hello, and thanks for joining us for this edition of All Hazards. Today, let me run some names by you. Tubbs, Atlas, Napa, Lake, Sonoma, Mendocino, Butte, Solano. Well, the last five names that I just read were the Northern California counties that were slammed by the first two names, the Atlas Fire and the Tubbs Fire. The Tubbs grew to become one of the most destructive wildfires in the history of California. What started on October 8th and quickly grew to 1,000 acres, the Tubbs Fire, in less than a week, had burned more than 210,000 acres. Those Northern California fires have reportedly killed at least 44 people and hospitalized at least 185, making that week of October 8th one of the deadliest weeks for wildfires in California history. Well, the recovery is well underway. It's been six months as of this recording, having just passed the anniversary day just a couple of days ago. So today we're gonna talk with one firefighter who was dramatically impacted by the fire siege here in Sonoma County. He faced something that he had never faced before and hopefully will never have to face again. Not only was this assistant fire marshal responding as a firefighter, but he also responded as a public information officer and as a homeowner. So we're gonna hear from Paul Lowenthal about what he learned, what he endured, what his community endured, and how they've been able to recover from one of the most destructive wildfires ever in California. All that and more, right now. All right, welcome everybody. Uh, Today's episode of the All Hazards Podcast comes to you from the city of Santa Rosa. We're here for a conference and uh, thought this would be a good and apropos opportunity to chat with someone who was very involved in more ways than one with the uh, wildfires that uh, swept through Sonoma County. Uh, Today we are with Paul Lowenthal, who is the Assistant Fire Marshal for the City of Santa Rosa Fire Department. And uh, Paul, thank you for being here, uh, taking some time out to chat with me in this chilly outdoor uh, weather. A little overcast today, but that's better than what we had uh, recently where it was pouring down rain. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here, and uh, yeah, I'll take this over the downpour anytime. So the October wildfires uh, were historic in in a lot of ways. Tell me about, first of all, um, how, as someone who has lived in this area for quite a while, tell me about what it it did physically to the community and then subsequently what it did mentally. You know, Sonoma County uh, historically has had fires, obviously nothing of this magnitude. Um, You know, we're uh, a department and a county that's used to traveling around the state um, that time of year and helping other communities and agencies in need. Um, We were definitely rocked by this one. Um, It was a a blow uh, to all of us. Um, It was something that you don't want to experience locally at this level. Um, but we, um, we did what we could, um, and definitely, 
Um, I think we're proud of uh, where we've come in the last six months. I know we're proud of where we come in the last six months. I mean, we said uh, when that incident hit us um, that we weren't just going to be here to put the fire out and walk away that we as a department and as a city, we're going to be in this for the long haul and we're going to be with our community every step of the way. And that's where we are six months later, still hand in hand with our community, moving us through the recovery process. For sure. And the recovery, uh, it's easy to say recovery, but uh, it's a whole different ball game to actually go through it. Um, unless you've been here, um, you really don't understand the, the magnitude, the scope of the damage that was done. I've seen the pictures. I've also been on the ground, just as you have. And again, unless you've been standing among the rubble and you've walked from community to community that was hit by the fires, it, it you don't understand. You really don't understand, especially when you see entire communities, Coffee Park, destroyed. It's as if someone lit off, uh, you know, uh, detonated a nuclear bomb in the middle of the thing. When you saw this firsthand the first time what was going through your mind as someone who lives in this community so you know typically um, when we respond to uh, fires uh, in a, at an operational level as a firefighter even as a public information officer you're used to dealing with it from a developing standpoint you know get small start small gets bigger um, in this particular case um, in my capacity, you know, I was requested to two different locations essentially at the same time. We had fires burning all over Santa Rosa that evening. Um, and we also were aware that there was a relatively large fire burning in Napa County, but didn't have a lot of information on it because we were focused on our own emergencies here locally. Um, me as the public information officer with the North Bay Incident Management Team realized I had a pending request to head to Napa, but the focus was downtown Santa Rosa. And I remember at the time thinking the fire that we had in West 6th Street which today is like a blip on the radar and most people don't even know about it. But at mm -hmm. the time was thinking, wow, this is the big one. Um, you know, we had several blocks of homes that were being evacuated. Uh, we had several structures involved in fire. Um, we had, you know, the equivalent of a three plus alarm um, in the middle of, of, um, of what was happening in Napa County. Um, I remember leaving that one um, thinking, holy moly, that was, that was an impressive fire. That, you know, w that was worked out well. We had a good cooperation. Uh, with all of our partnering agencies we got people evacuated quickly um, got the fire under control and um, departed that one and headed off to to napa um, started hearing some of the radio traffic but really didn't understand the the complexity and the magnitude as i was heading to it um, it's not the first time i've had that direction um, my incident management teams handled uh, several fires in the um, the lake and napa uh, county areas um, so you know not to be um, you know, not to think it wasn't anything of a big deal. I mean, we treat them all as a significant incident, but I remember heading up the hill um, and watching cars driving down the hill. And I think, oh, this is, where, where's everybody going? Um, and started getting closer and closer um, to what turned out to be the Tubbs fire. And it was just a wall of fire. Mm -hmm. um, and I hadn't, uh, was thinking, wow, this is just another incident um, that's, in Sonoma County um, and it wasn't until I realized this was the fire that I was supposed to be heading to in Napa County that it was now already here in Sonoma County and well into Sonoma County um, you know things are you start processing um, what it took to get that incident from what was supposedly supposed to be just outside of Calistoga to hear the magnitude of it and then realize this this is not gonna stop and the focus turned towards Santa Rosa um, 
you know, you start thinking about, okay, what's my, my plan going to be as the public information officer for this incident? And then realize that, well, there's no time to plan for that. We're now, it's all hands on deck and we're literally going to have to shift to start pulling people out of their houses and evacuating, Mm -hmm. which is not by any means what I thought I would be doing that evening. Um, Before too long, unfortunately, in a matter of hours, um, we were trying to uh, put together the framework for a public information plan that had essentially already forced the evacuation of 100,000 people and we had upwards of 6,000 plus structures on fire all within a matter of a couple of hours. Um, so how do you get the word out? I mean, it, something like that. Your job is to help notify the community. You know, we were, you know, we were very fortunate in the sense that at least locally, the city of Santa Rosa, we have a plan in place for our emergency operations center where the two public safety PIOs take the lead. Um, we didn't think it would happen, but we planned for the fact that there may be an incident that occurs where public safety PIOs are tied up for whatever reason. And so we had a plan in place where we had a backup that was not public safety related, but we cross-trained to handle a public safety emergency. That worked out um, incredibly well. Um, The public information officer who was our backup, Adrian Mertens, was able to respond directly to the EOC, and then we immediately established a line of communication between our emergency operations manager, um, our the chief, uh, Tony Gosner, um, and then the two lead PIOs from the city of the county, and we started cranking away messaging immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, definitely a challenge. It was definitely um, nothing that I think any of us ever thought we'd experience. I mean, you plan for emergencies, but you plan for the, you know, what we historically deal with here, the 50-acre fire potentially you think is going to be the big one or the 100-acre fire. Um, you know, this was by far... Um, obviously the most destructive wildfire in California's history with the loss of structures, the total amount of people that were evacuated in that short period of time, um, and not just evacuated and then repopulated. These were, this, like you said, these were entire Long-term. communities um, that were absolutely wiped out and destroyed and had nothing to return to. So when I drove around and I came out here um, toward the tail end of the fires, during that process where we started to transition from response to recovery, which was pretty quickly though. I, driving around Santa Rosa, there were fires that really weren't anywhere close to the the wildfires themselves. Is it because of the wind? Yeah, this, all bets were off with this one. The, the winds, had they not stopped when they stopped, it's probably safe to say that we would have had a significant portion of this city completely burned away wow um there was nothing that was going to stop this the the ember cast the size of the embers that were coming off the the fire were the size of footballs um it was it was like nothing you'd ever seen visibility was next to nothing when we were trying to get around um and help evacuate people um but yeah you know one of the most common questions we get um post fire is is the is coffee park are these areas going to be built to wildland urban interface standards the reality of it is that that was not a wildland area. That that fire jumped across, you know, two lanes of Old Redwood Highway, six lanes of Highway 101, and then two additional lanes of uh, Cleveland and Hopper Avenue, and w- jumped right across entire commercial complexes. I mean, the ember cast of the winds, they it it was nothing was going to stop it, well, and it it did. I mean, it completely wiped out block after block after block, and. You know, everybody talks about fire creating their own weather. This absolutely created its own weather. And we had reports of fire tornadoes. We had cars that were flipped upside down and tossed around in Coffee Park. We had people that had 
three or four vehicles in their backyards that didn't belong to them. I mean, these the weather conditions and the winds were they were incredible. We were watching the weather forecasts and getting the reports in the state operations center where I was. I was stationed there uh, in the JIC uh, initially, the Joint Information Center, and that was our fear: was this weather? How long is this wind going to go? It didn't. It, it seemed like it was never going to end. It just kept going and going and going. And that's, I think, really, like you said, that's what really pushed this fire to such enormous proportions. Okay, so now that we've kind of set the scene and and really just kind of how uh, massive this thing was and how um, unrelenting it was, now it's time to recover. Big operation. In fact, it's still going on. Six months later, it's still going on. But there's some good news, though, too. Uh, A lot of the debris removal is pretty much for all intents and purposes, finished, right? Yeah, so after working as the public information officer for the first 13 days of the incident, I was asked to transition into the task force leader for the debris operations. So have served as a debris task force leader for the city of Santa Rosa uh, since uh, the second week of the fire. Um, There is a team of us that are continuing, even six months later, to meet four times a week um, to keep this on track. And how important is that? It's critical. Um, you know, I remember talking a couple months ago about scaling the meetings back and then you realize that if you try and scale the meetings back, you lose focus and you can't stay on task. And one of the critical elements of the task force is the action items and holding people accountable and having the people involved in this process that can make decisions that are most effective and appropriate decisions for our respective agencies and our communities. And so we're still meeting. I mean, it's Cal OES, it's Army Corps of Engineers. FEMA, city, county, um, you know, US EPA, all the agencies that have been here since day one are still here today pushing the mission forward. Uh, from a debris standpoint, um, looking at just the, the ash footprints, yeah, for all intents and purposes, other than um, a handful of uh, what we call complex properties where there's either access issues, meaning the bridge is burned away, or there's um, land rights issues, things of that nature, we're down to a handful. Um, out of the thousands and thousands of properties that were originally part of the right of entry program. Uh, on the private debris removal side, um, the city had about 420 or so properties that chose to do the debris removal themselves, and the county had about 700. Uh, yesterday, um, on the six-month anniversary, was actually also the debris deadline for removing private debris. Um, so even in the city, uh, we're down to less than 10 properties that have not that have not removed any debris to date, and the county's looking at single digits as well. So overall, yeah, we've gotten from you know upwards of 5,000 structures um, that were uh, right of entry eligible down to less than a couple dozen that have um, not removed their debris. Amazing too, because we're talking not just removing the burned debris, the the remnants of the homes and everything they had there, but we're also talking about cleaning the land, making sure that it's suitable for building and rebuilding and making sure that it's healthy. Yeah. And you know, this, the, the complexity of this incident and the volume of structures that were destroyed in this fire was, I mean, it was unheard of. Um, and that was part of why the health order was established because we just knew that there was a threat to not only public health, but to the watershed, to the environment with just that volume of debris, especially in some of these uh, high density areas. So it was a critical mission. Um, and with, like I said, we've all been working hand in hand collectively to, to push this mission forward, um, working with our state and federal partners to, to keep it on task and to keep it moving and to keep our community informed of what's happening. So Paul, tell me, um, how long have you lived here in this community? You, you, you have a home or I hate to say it, but you had a home here in Santa Rosa. 
Yeah, I started, uh, I moved to Sonoma County as a teenager, started as an explorer with Benna Valley Fire when I was 15. Um, became a volunteer firefighter and then moved to Southern California, worked down there for a couple of years uh, with South Pasadena, and then have been back with, uh, with Santa Rosa Fire Department, um, uh, living here locally uh, for the last uh, 18 or so years. Um, I uh, did, uh, had just moved into uh, Larkfield Estates uh, about a year and two months before the October fires. Um, and yeah, my, unfortunately, um, like a lot of other people, my home was destroyed in the fire. Um, but it's also provided me with a unique opportunity, especially as a debris task force leader where, you know, yes, I am uh, leading the, the debris side of the recovery operations for the city, but I'm also making decisions, um, as not only a leader for the city, but also as somebody that has been a victim or a, a survivor, as mm-hmm. we like to say, right. of, the, of the incident, um, so that I know that I can speak as on both um, both sides of, of the fence and understand what people are going through and when we get some of the complaints, what the complaints are based on. And I'm also able to help kind of change at some point some of the decisions we're making or clarify some things if I know that it's not in alignment with what people are truly experiencing or going through. Yeah, because so, you're there too. You're, right. You're and going s- through it. And so that's been good. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, that that has been, you know, especially with the responsibilities that a lot of us have all taken on uh, since the October fires. Um, you know, we're, um, we had our jobs before then and we still have those jobs and all those responsibilities, but there's a lot of us that have mm-hmm. additional responsibilities that are, that are critical um, in moving our, our community forward. So Paul, uh, thinking back over the last six months or so, what has been the biggest challenge for you and your position? I don't know necessarily a challenge, but one of the things, um, you know, we are obviously, we're getting a lot of requests from the community um, to speak about emergency preparedness, about the fire. Um, we're doing a lot of outreach and engagement with the community um, and really giving them the opportunity to ask the questions. You know, mm-hmm. what happened? What, are, what have we learned? What are we doing differently? Um, you know, we're also really giving a lot of details about what happened that night um, because I think it helps people paint a picture of why they didn't see, you know, the police officers and the firefighters and the neighborhoods that were, um, you know, miles away from the head of the fire. Um, you know, so um, that's that's been challenging, um, you know, just trying to um, help people understand what occurred that night um, and what we've learned from it and what we're doing differently locally to, to make us better prepared uh, in the event that hopefully something like this doesn't happen, but if it does happen again, what steps we're going um, to take to, to move the process. So along. let's talk about that. Uh, what did you learn? Um, you know, one of the, one of the critical issues obviously revolves around evacuations. We hear that, we hear that a lot. Um, there's been changes now to, um, uh, the access to the wireless emergency alert system. Uh, previously, the city of Santa Rosa uh, did not have access to it. We do now. So we have uh, management level staff uh, from the police and fire department, uh, including myself, that now have the ability to activate those systems. Um, you know, we're watching uh, a lot of legislation, a lot of bills that are on the table right now um, that are looking at uh, different laws, different uh, regulations that can be brought in um, to to help alleviate um, issues that have come up or, or guide us in the right direction, funding sources. Um, locally within our organization, um, you know, our fire department's looking at staffing um, differently when we have forecasts for these type of wind events. 
Um, you look at what just occurred um, this last week. We had the forecast, um, working closely with the National Weather Service, of a significant rain event. We were expecting um, an atmospheric river that was potentially going to drop a significant volume of rain uh, within our burn area. Given that information, we immediately enacted, you know, part of our communications plan. We started doing messaging to the community. Uh, got a lot of you know information out, whether it's through Twitter, Facebook, on our emergency information page at the city. Um, we increased staffing levels. Um, we upstaffed myself as a public information officer, um, and we're fielding interview requests related to what we're doing for storm preparedness from for 12 hours straight. Um, so we recognize too that Santa Rosa is on the map right now, and every time. Um, that it rains or we're anticipating a big storm and there's a threat that we too could have, you know, uh, landslides or debris flows there. We get a lot of attention here um, and a lot of focus on us on what we're doing, what our plans are. And we've, you know, looking at what the threats are back to lessons learned, you know, we've got maps in place. We've got geofiles loaded so that we can immediately push evacuation information out, emergency alert systems. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's unfortunate the incident happened, but um, sometimes, unfortunately, um, you have to have something, you know, bad happen to look to see what improvements you can make. Positive change comes out of it. Absolutely. It, it and really it's been very positive. Yeah, it, it, I, I have to say, I think we're all very impressed with how, how much has happened. Uh, the way that uh, the city and the county here in Sonoma County have embraced, um, you know, taking a hard look at the way things went down the way things happened what could have been done better um and are making those changes it's a positive thing and i think the citizens of this area they need to know that um and and they have been an instrumental part of this change because like you said you were having these community outreach events and you've had many of them and they are there to tell you their feelings, but they're also there to ask questions. And it's that give and take, I think, that really benefits the entire community. Yeah, collectively, the city and county are still continuing to work together. And my understanding is that we actually did pass 100 um, community meetings that have been held 100. in the last six months. Wow. And it's amazing to think of what the meetings looked like six months ago. Um, and it was a very emotional, those were emotional meetings. There was a lot yeah. of raw feelings. There was a lot of yelling. Um, to today, you know, it's their, their community meetings on rebuilding, mm-hmm. uh, bringing neighborhoods together, continuing with our, you know, the block leader concept um, that we've established um, in both the city and the county, working with the Board of Supervisors and with our elected officials. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing, pretty incredible to see um, how those uh, community meetings have evolved over the last six months. Um, and both the city and county, like I said, they're still going strong. They're still coordinating and attending the meetings. Um, and if, if there was one thing that you could uh, tell me right now that was done right, like what do you, looking back on it, what was the one thing that, yeah, like, yeah we nailed that? Having uh, the backup in place that was non-public safety related was, was critical. Um, I don't know how it would have all panned out if if me if i had to be in both places at one time um especially given the magnitude of this incident and it wasn't like it was again this wasn't a developing incident from santa rosa's perspective this was literally there's a thirty thousand acre fire on your back doorstep and it's going to wipe out upwards of four thousand structures in about two hours go Mm. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. had we not had that structure in place 
and um, our EOC PIO team made up of communication staff from all of our respective departments already in place and avail- you know, able to come in um, and immediately start cranking out messaging, I, you know, I, I don't know where we'd be. Yeah, you need help. And that's, I think that's a lesson here too, that if you're ever in that position uh, in whatever community uh, you're listening to this podcast in, uh, if you're overwhelmed, ask for help. Don't wait till you're overwhelmed. That's yeah. another thing that's yeah. been learned is that even if you think that you're fine, don't. I mean, there's there's no harm in getting the, the help rolling early on, mm-hmm. especially given the magnitude of some of these incidents, and then turn them around. But it's better to get them started and get them there and then find out you don't need them versus waiting until your staff is burnt out or even though you think you're going to have that shift assignment where you have the A shift and the B shift and they're going to do 12 hours and 12 hours turns into 36 hours, you don't want to do that. I mean, me personally, um, I went from Sunday to Friday with a total of five hours of sleep. And I didn't know that that was possible. I didn't um, either. I've How did you do in, it? <laughs> I, did, uh, I think I'm still probably paying for it today. Oh. Um, but I, um, I've worked in the fire service uh, professionally since I was 19. So I've shaved every day of my life. And um, by that Friday, I was pretty much told, uh, you're done for 12 hours. Um, do whatever you need to do, uh, but you need to take a break and you need to get cleaned up. Mm. Um, I didn't realize I can grow a beard. That was one thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing I learned um, and realized that as one of the faces of the incident, I needed to get cleaned up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, was, there you go. You was, found out something about yourself yes. you didn't know. <laughs> oh, Paul. Well, is there anything else that you, you wanted to say that you haven't had a chance? No, I mean, this, I mean, this particular incident was, um, it was challenging. We had two complexes that were side by side. Those two complexes both made up several different fires, impacted multiple counties, multiple agencies, multiple jurisdictions, um, and all their respective EOCs. Um, you know, it was, it was challenging, um, but I think, like I said, collectively, um, we did a good job, you know, I mean, could we have done better? Absolutely. Everybody can go back and look at things that you could have done differently. Um, given the circumstances and given what we were handed, um, we got through it. Um, you know, it may have been a rough start. Um, but it's, you know, it's also how you finish it and we're still here. We're still doing outreach. We're still doing communications. Um, we still have a jick going between the city and the county and our respective agencies. Um, and that's six months later. So um, that framework, that foundation, those, de- those relationships that we developed early on um, are helping us with where we're at today. Well, congratulations. Six months later, you guys have come a long way, and uh, the recovery is only going to get better from here. Paul Lowenthal, thanks very much for being here and talking with us, talking about this. I know, uh, I know it's not easy, but uh, there are silver linings that uh, I think uh, help you and your community take that next step forward. Again, Assistant Fire Marshal for Santa Rosa City Fire. Paul Lowenthal, thanks again. Thank you very much. So if you want to see some of the images and the videos that were collected and produced over the span of several months from the beginning all the way through the cleanup and to what it looks like now, just go to oesnews.com and do your keyword searches for Napa, Sonoma, Lake, Santa Rosa, and you will be shocked if you haven't seen them already. And even if you have, these are the kind of images and the stories that will probably never leave your memory. 
Again, go to oesnews.com, do your keyword searches, and take a look at what we have there. We have some really amazing work that have been done by the Office of Public Information with insights from others, including Paul Lowenthal, who goes back to his home and looks at the remnants. Special thanks to everyone in the Office of Public Information and to Paul Lowenthal for taking the time out of his day to talk with us and uh, share his thoughts with you. For everyone here at Cal OES, I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.